0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie and with me as always is...
1: Hey everybody, what's going on? Ah! It is Jason.
0: I like stumbled there because for some reason I couldn't remember what our podcast is called.
1: It's called the Board Game Mechanics.
0: Well, I did say that and I thought, is that right? <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> I don't know. My oh, my brain is mush right now. Juggling too many things. into the semester. I had to take our oldest to get uh, oral surgery today, which is is never a good time, to be honest. So that was fun. Jason chickened out and got to stay at home.
1: I'm not brave. We've gone over this
0: <laughs> many,
1: many a time. She
0: she came through it like a trooper. They had to, she's going through the whole orthodontics thing, so they had to make room. And oh my goodness, the teeth they pulled out were mammoth. I mean, it's like they belong to a velociraptor. Like, it was unbelievable how big Yeah, this.
1: I was not expecting a tooth that big. Two teeth that big. They are, like, insanely big for a little tiny girl. I mean, she's not little and tiny, but I wasn't expecting them to be that big.
0: <laughs> I know. And she wanted to save them for the tooth fairy, And I'm like, good night. What's the tooth fairy pay for those humongous chompers? We're going to go broke.
1: I <laughs> know. Uh, we should have tagged in grandma on this one. I know. She's supposed to lose her teeth at grandma's house. We've gone over that.
0: Well, in this case somebody yanked him out. And I was there.
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: So there is that. It was uh it was a wonderful time, everybody, I gotta tell you. <laughs> Ooh. It's also hard because like I still have my wisdom teeth. I you know never had any of anything like that happen, so it's like a whole foreign concept to me. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what it's like. I just know it's not great.
1: Yeah, it's a one out of ten. Do not recommend. That's <laughs> do what Do not
0: recommend. Um, but yeah, she she was a little woozy after anesthesia, but she came out of it great. She's a trooper, man. Like, maybe an hour after she got home, she was like... Normal. Pretty, pretty <laughs> Yeah, pretty much her normal self. <laughs> yeah. Just... Be bopping around, singing at the top of her lungs to her Disney movies. So, I, I, I guess, I guess it was successful. <laughs> yep, <it's laughs> that's true. all I can say. I am sure. Am I'm way more traumatized about the event than she was.
1: Well, she was asleep, and you were not.
0: I was not. I was not. I've seen things, people. <laughs> I've seen things. <laughs> Anyway, it's also the end. I'm officially done with teaching classes for the semester. And now comes the fun part where I have to enter those grades. So it's grading research papers. I don't even mind the grading research papers. It's the last minute emails I get from my students. Either complaining about the grades they've received, which I'm like, uh, too little too late. (laughs) Or telling me that they forgot about the deadline or they tried to turn it in, but something went wrong. Wham, wham, wham. Like, <laughs> I just want to turn on like an out of office email that all it states is poor planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part and just have it auto send. Cause I freaking hate the emails I get. And yeah. it's like, it's constant.
1: I would just ignore them.
0: I, you know, I can't do that. As much as I think about it every time, I still answer like out loud. I'm like, "What a freaking moron!" Like, I can't believe we're wasting my time with this. And then I stew about it for a while, and then I compose what's a professional email and a professional way of telling them off for waiting till the last minute.
1: Don't make people think that you actually said "freaking moron." Come on, you said the other <laughs> I
0: word. Did, you did not believe it or anything.
1: No, I mean in real life, not on here. Oh. In real life.
0: Oh, oh, when I read the email. (laughs) Oh, man. I was just like, are you kidding me right now? And yet, after 10 years of teaching, I'm still surprised in some capacity, and I don't understand how that's true. Oh, Anyway, enough about my crazy week. Let's talk about the good stuff that we're here for, which is games. We're going to kick it off with some news. All right, and my news today is from Kickstarter, both of these. I've just got two. Um, things are – there's some interesting things kind of popping up on Kickstarter. Some of them are a little ways off, so we'll get there. But the first one, our friends at the Board Game Rundown have talked about ad nauseum. I mean what's, – um,
1: What's more than ad nauseum? <laughs> That's how much they've talked about it.
0: Um, but it, it may be a good game. Jason actually played a copy – and I believe has a video for this yes
1: yes there is a video
0: but I have not played it but it looks like it would be my Alley and this game is called Forges of Ravenshire and this is from BA Games um, this is a dice placement game so you are trying to be like the best blacksmith you want to be the, in charge of the blacksmith's guild because somehow the forage Master of Ravenshire is missing. Doesn't sound shady at all. Um, but he's missing and you have to take over. And so you're going to compete to make the most money. That's how you win. Very capitalistic. But um, there's like these four. So you go four rounds and there's three phases in each round. So you gather, you produce, and there's end of season. So... In this game, you're placing dice in the town to gather resources based on the value of them. And then you're also taking dice. So almost like the way that um, my mind is drawing a blank.
1: Raiders of the North Sea.
0: Thank you. Raiders of the North Sea does where you put down like a little worker and take up one. This is putting down dice, taking up dice. So you take up dice to gather resources based on the value that's there, and then you're going to take the die that you picked up and put it into your um, your guild workshop, and the color then runs some stuff on like your guild, which I assume is your actual player board. And then you pass the turn, and it happens three times. So that's cool. Um, And then you've got kind of, then you kind of end your production. So you run your forge, your dice go in, in these locations and you gain benefits based on the value of the die that's there. So you can fulfill your contracts. So, you know, spending those resources to forge things because you are a blacksmith and you get rewards like gold and reputation, sometimes maybe other resources and stuff, which is cool. So after like, there's like these achievements that you can uh, get as well which are good for points too. And then you do that like four times. So, it seems like basic kind of dice placement, then dice retrieval, kind of stuff, contract fulfillment, but those are all mechanics that I I do really enjoy. I think it's a really interesting theme. Although I have to say, I don't
1: I don't like the cover art on this one. There's so the cover is actually the back of one of the player boards. There's four different animals. And actually this is my least favorite one of all the other ones. There's like a raven, um i can't remember what all the animals are but the raven i think is the purple one it looks way cooler to me than this but i guess they like this one so they went with it yeah I, don't
0: know. I, I like badgers i just think his face is like it's a little misshapen. i don't know he looks like he's got a tusk um there's like a little <laughs> rabbit that's <laughs> it, cute it does kind of yeah i know and i feel bad because now someone's gonna like who am i kidding they're not listening to the podcast um but I feel like someone's gonna be like, "Oh, I'm you know my brother's cousin did the artwork, and how dare you say something bad about it?" I'm sorry, it's, it's not
1: bad art. I just think I just don't particularly no, I like just, this character as much as some of the other ones.
0: I just don't need the cover. Uh, but Jason since you actually played this game. Why don't you give us a little take on it before I run down the details?
1: Yeah, so you said most of it, but the the way that it works is you you're you're rolling some dice. You're placing a die on the board. You get a bonus based on the value. Then you get to take a die from on the board, put it on your own player board, get the stuff that it's going to produce from that area that you took based on the value. Then when you put it on your board, it's also going to fire off some bonuses that you've built on your little engine there of the color of the die. I think there's three different colors, um, and the more upgrades you get for each color, the more stuff it's going to throw at you when you bring that die back. Then once you've done that... Everybody at the same time, which is kind of nice, it speeds up the game, is going to take their dice from one side of their board over to their forge, and that's where all the magic happens. You're going to be getting, uh, you're going to turn, you're going to make steel, you're going to make leather, you're going to make, um, I forget what it's going to, but you're going to put some stuff in the fire, and it's going to turn into, like, lava rock is what it looks like, and you're going to be using these things to craft the goods that you need to craft to score points. And they're going to give you a whole bunch of stuff. And you're trying to complete as many of these goods as you can. Some of the goals are going to require you to fulfill certain amounts of them. Some of them you need to have a bunch of shields. Uh, You may have to have some breastplates, all that kind of thing. And you're just trying to score the most points, get a bunch of reputation, and just do the best that you can in the course of those four rounds. And while you're getting a lot of stuff thrown at you, it still is only four rounds and I think there's three dice or maybe four. So you're not actually doing a whole pile of stuff, but because the way that like stuff chains and fires off of everything, it feels like you're doing a lot more than you really are. But it's still only twelve dice. So keep that in mind. You're not getting a ton of turns, but you're all doing a lot. So it's a pretty good game.
0: Yeah, I just wondering what your overall impression was, but I guess if you want to know that, check out Jason's video. On our youtube page
1: yeah i, I like it I, I i think you covered it a little bit um i would probably rather play raiders of the north sea this one feels pretty similar to that um but oh, i
0: don't like that one
1: well this one feels a lot like that it does it may th- this one throws a little more stuff at you because of the engines that you're building but the way the workers work and the, all that kind of feels very reminiscent of that so um yeah i i like that one a little bit better but this one if you don't have that one this would be a good solid one to check out so yeah
0: we don't have that one and i don't know i don't really like it but i like dice and the way like numbers can change the effects of the actions you take so this intrigues me i think more than how i feel about raiders but yeah so if you like uh raiders of the north sea or you like that kind of thing if you like Using dice as workers and placing those and getting resources, contract fulfillment. You like badgers that look like they have tusks. Check out Forges of Ravenshire. You've got five days left on the Kickstarter and the base pledge is
1: $60. Yeah. I mean, they're not terrible. Um, No. I don't think we're going to see the days where a lot of board games are less than $60 anymore. So I know. Sad days.
0: Sad days. Uh, The next game... Is under $60. So there you go. And it's a game that has a really fun theme and a fun, punny name. And that is Milkman, a Legend D-A-I-R-Y. You should have said
1: legend. Wait for it. You should have. I
0: was going to, but then I run really want to emphasize that it's dairy, <laughs> like, not like dairy. Anyway, now you've heard it. Milkman, a legendary dice and delivery game. So you're using dice to process and deliver milk to thirsty customers in 1950s America. Like this is going back; it's the 50s. You are the milkman. I like that; it's cute, nostalgia kind of thing. I think that's adorable. Really, what got me on this is we've got shaped meeples, people. Um, so you're like a local dairy farmer. You're trying to manage your farm. You got cows to keep happy. You're going to process and deliver your milk. You got different kinds of milk: whole, skim, chocolate. hay, right. And you want customers to know that your milk is the best. I mean, obviously. So you're gonna uh, roll these custom dice to do the kind of the different actions. So keep your cows happy, you know, manufacture the dice will do that. Um, and then also active player. So everyone's rolling dice. Active player gets a few extra dice. Um, but the dice that the active player, that the dice that are available to everyone, those can get re-rolled to press your luck. Because you can roll those a couple times to kind of match some sets to get some things that you want to work on your dairy farm. Um, so you kind of have to decide how am I gonna how you gonna manage your time? Are you gonna expand your farm a little bit? Are you gonna try and get more valuable customers? Ship out more milk? It's just it's cute. So dice rolling. This is from Dice Hate Me Games, who's done a, a, quite a lot of things. So this is four players to get the most. You've got these custom dice that have like cows and money and um, trucks and people on them. Then you've got 45 wooden milk bottles. Okay. This is adorable. So then the red one, the red lid ones are whole milk and the blue lid ones are skim milk. And then the brown ones are chocolate milk. I mean, it's so cute. And it's not, this is, it doesn't stop at wooden milk bottles, people there's wooden milk trucks, there's wooden raw milk tokens, there are cardboard money tokens, and the is de résistance, 20 wooden cow meeples, and they are black and white spotted cows. Totes adorbs. I mean, what, I, what, more, what more can I say? What more can I say? In fact, I can't say more because other than that brief explanation I gave you, you have to watch a video to figure out how to play it, and I refuse. But the shape, the shape meeples, the basic discussion, the look of your the cute little houses that you deliver your milks to and your farm, it suckered me in, man. It's, it's totally suckered me in. So... If you like dice games, you know, this is just basic like dice rolling kind of thing, contract fulfillment as a way like dice placement. What am I going to do with my dice? How am I going to run my milk farm, which is so funny. Your dairy farm, my milk farm, my dairy farm. When you've got your cute cows and your little milk bottles. I mean, that's that's adorable, right? Like what a fun dice game. So check out Milkman, a legendary dice and delivery game. There's six days left on the Kickstarter project. And get this.
1: 30 bucks yeah that's not a bad price so i just i was just making an assumption that this was Mm -hmm. like dairyman no but like as you were talking i was like oh it sounds just like dairyman but then i looked at some pictures and as you were explaining more i was like oh okay it's like it's a similar type of concept but there's a little more going on in this one
0: yeah i don't really like dairyman because i feel like there's nothing to it
1: it's just yahtzee basically
0: yeah, but this one, you're actually like running your dairy farm and like, okay, I've got to allocate dice to different places. I'm trying to roll get the stuff I need because I either want to deliver, you know, my milk or I want to get more money so I can get, get more customers or whatever or expand my farm. Yeah, there's more going on.
1: Yeah, this one does seem cool.
0: And know, super cute. So those are my two choices for news this week.
1: All right, so let's talk about some games that we played. And we've had a decent amount of games. We have like a family game group on Thursdays that just started happening a couple months ago. And now, and we also have our friend, Chris and Amy, that come over on Wednesday, but that might be coming to an end and that's sad. I don't want to talk about it. Um, but either way, uh, we're going to talk about some games. So the first game we're going to talk about is a pressure luck game. I love pressure luck. Uh, I don't. Not everybody loves it as much as me, but I do love it. And this game, I like more than Katie, but we'll see how she she thinks about it later. <laughs> and it's called Port Royal. And this is a game from Alexander Pfister. And this is a push-your-luck card game. It's all cards, unless you're playing with some of the expansions. I had the big box, um, whatever. It's mostly cards. There are some cubes that you can use later. But what you're doing in this game is you are basically flipping cards off the top of this deck. And what you're trying to do is you are trying to flip As many cards as possible, well, as many cards as you want to try to find either characters that you want to hire with money that you have or boats that you can grab to get money, like merchant ships kind of thing. The rub here is if you flip two of the same color boat that you can't repel by having like pirates or whatever you have in front of you that have little sabers on them, then you bust. And all the cards that you flipped go away. If you don't bust, and depending on the number of boats, different color boats you flip out is how many cards you get to take, And then everybody else going around the table has an option to either take a boat if there's one left, or buy a card. And you're trying to get all these cards, they have special abilities, but most of all they have points. And you're trying to be the first player, I think, to get to 12 points. And once you do that, it triggers the end of the game, everybody else gets an equal amount of turns, and whoever has the most points is the winner. That's it. Flip cards, try not to bust, move on, get points. That's it. Um we've only played the basic game. There's like an advanced game, there's co-op, there's teams, whole bunch of stuff going on, but this is just the advanced game. I still like it. It's super fun. I'm not great at explaining it, um but I'll work on it. So how did you feel about Port Royal this time?
0: I liked it better this time than the first time we played it. Actually, um I I don't know why? Well, Maybe it's just in a better framework this time or something.
1: Did Brandon play last time?
0: <laughs> I don't remember, actually, <laughs> who we played with. <laughs> but I was just like, mm, I, I don't know. Like, I, I wasn't really looking forward to playing this. And we played it. And I was like, OK, it's pretty fun. Like, I, I mean, I guess I don't know how to describe it. I, I like Pusher Luck, but I don't love it and i think there's enough different things kind of going on here once you can buy cards and utilize them and kind of get your own thing going which i think is cool that you can go different ways um yeah i thought it was super fun i liked it it grew on me for sure
1: yeah i every time i play it i like it i just got to figure out how to teach it and eventually i'm going to bust in bust out some more of the modules like co-op and all that stuff to see how that yeah
0: works. i didn't realize so. there were all those other things and yeah i gave you a really hard time about how you were teaching it so
1: you did like I, I should just <laughs> say hey i'm not gonna teach this i'm just gonna show you around and then you will know how to play that's what i'm gonna do next time
0: well that's how i kind of told you i'm like yeah Why don't you just use cards so we can see what you're talking i about? tried
1: to explain it and it is it is easier if you just like flip a fake round and just go at it
0: well you should take cards and then show like what a basic hand could look like and then show like the specialty cards. Like you can organize what a flip could be.
1: That's true. I could, but, or I could just play around and we see what happens. Uh,
0: All right. Sure. But yeah, it was, it was a lot more interesting. It was a lot more fun this time than I remember it being before. So it won me over.
1: Good. That makes me happy. All right. So the next game is a game about trees and falling leaves and, that's it, I think. We're walking around trying to look at leaves. I think that's the theme. Um, uh,
0: sort of. You're like hiking, and you're leaving. See, I don't know. There's you
1: no, know, I don't need. Yeah, I mean, there it's, is irrelevant. A theme,
0: yeah, it's irrelevant. It's yeah.
1: irrelevant. And this game is called Bosk. And this is in this game, what you're trying to do is it's played over two phases. So let's talk about those phases first. The first phase, everyone has, I think, eight trees, two ones through two fours. I think that's correct. And when it comes to your turn, you're going to place your tree down on this board. Now, why do you want to do that? Good question, because at the beginning, it feels like it's just arbitrary. But what's happening is at the end of that phase, you're going to score points if you have a majority in a row or a column. All the rows score, all the columns score. So you're trying to get more of your trees in the rows and columns than everybody else to score points. You start out with a little bit of points, because phase one's not where all the points come in. Second phase, you're going to be dropping leaves from your tree and removing your tree from the board and the way that's done is there's this wind track that whoever i think is in last place or first place gets to put it on one side of the board and it's going to determine the direction that the wind is moving each of those eight rounds in phase two it could be left right front or behind or wherever you're sitting and then you're going to drop a certain number of leaves based on these tiles that you flip and you're trying to score different area majorities of these different color sections of the board and if you can do that, you get a pile of points. If you tie, you get some points, but if you're not first or second, you don't get anything, so that's rough. And you're just going to do that till everybody's trees have been removed and all the leaves are out on the board. Well, everybody's played eight rounds, I guess. You might not play all your leaves. And then whoever has, whoever has the most points is the winner. There's also a squirrel. I don't know why, but there's a squirrel. <laughs> um, I know what it does. It basically like helps you control a territory, but it doesn't feel as fulfilling as putting the leaves out. Um, so this is an abstract game it's pretty like kind of go esque is what I, how I kind of feel. I've never played go, but I know how go works. You're just trying to get more of your stuff down in a section than everybody else. Um, I liked phase two a lot better than phase one because the tree thing just didn't really do it for me. But knowing what I know now, if I did it again, I'd probably place my trees differently. So maybe that's part of it. Uh, it was fine. I, I don't love abstract games as much, but this one looks nice. It has cool colors, uh, cool leaves that are different shapes and all that. So, yeah, it was good. I'd play it again if somebody wanted to, but not probably one that I would seek out. So, how do you feel about Bosque?
0: Um, yeah it it was it's pretty. I will say that, um, which I like. Uh, I spent an inordinate amount of time uh, trying to figure out the different leaves, different trees. Everyone yeah, it, had.
1: it was a little, uh, a little crazy.
0: Well, I it's area control at its basic. It, heart and i don't like area control because i can never win area control i'm always like yeah i feel like i'm making strategic moves um and never plan out so like i don't want to play like spoiler kingmaker or spoiler or whatever just because i feel like i i know i'm not going to win so i just kind of do whatever and just see how it works out like (laughs) Which is really what I did, like with the placing the tree at the beginning. I was like, "Yeah, this just looks good," and then after that, like, "Yes," I was trying to employ strategy from where I put my leaves and all that jazz. But um, again, I I didn't. I wasn't even a viable front runner at any point. Um, but. The theme is kind of cool. I think I I love the different look of the leaves. I love the different trees, which I did identify eventually. What everybody had, spruce. Uh,
1: speaking of that, those should have been named in the rule book. Come on.
0: I agree, especially because they would. I mean, they leaned heavy into the theme in the rule book with the game. I mean, each leaves each leaf was shaped differently to the tree that you had. The trees were were, like markedly looked different. Um, You know, mine had like white bark, so it was obviously birch tree, and it had matching leaves. So if you're gonna do that, why aren't you gonna state that, you know, we've got birch, maple, sycamore, and oak trees? I mean, I did figure it out, and it it made me feel successful at the end. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know why they just didn't say that, but it was fine. Yeah. I think if people really like area control, um, it is very, it's a very relaxing game to play. It's it's pretty to look at. Um, but for me, like the placement and stuff was kind of what I like about Ten Gardens, but like way lower level. So I would rather play Ten Gardens and have like a lot of other stuff going on than play this one.
1: Yeah, and I think if you like abstract games, this is going to be one that's nice because it's not black and white like most abstract games. True, its color. true. Um, it's just not my favorite type of game, which we don't normally play, but our friend had this on a shelf and he's one of the players, so we played it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it was fine but It was fine. moving on from fine to awesome, we're going to talk about the <laughs> next game. And this next game, sorry, it's not going to be able to be found. Um, I guess, sorry, not sorry, I didn't buy it. It's not my game.
0: Yeah. no. Nah. Um,
1: But it's called Quartz. There is a Disney version. There's also a Friday the 13th version, which you can find. But who wants that theme? And this is a push-your-luck game where you are miners, dwarves, I think, right? Dwarves? Dwarves. Yeah. And you are all that hockey, and I'm, like, saying Leafs and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. it's You're
0: dwarven miners.
1: (laughs) So um, what you're doing is on your turn you're trying to basically mine, you're trying to mine as many gems as you can. And the way you're going to do that is on your turn, you have one of three options. You're either going to dig in this bag and pull out a gem. There's lots of different colors, but there's also a lot of black gems that are worthless. And if you draw over the course of a couple turns, two black gems you bust, everything you pulled out of the bag previously goes away and you don't get anything except a little token to help you next round. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to get as many of these good gems as you can because if you make it out of the mine without busting one you might get a bonus card and some money money is how you win that's the points and then you're able to sell your gems so the you know the more that they're worth the less of them there are in the bag but you can make a big payday um so on your turn, you're going to draw a token out of the bag. You're going to leave the mine, or the best part is you're going to play a card because there's some cards. You're going to have a hand of cards to start, and you're going to get a new card each round. And these cards are defense to protect you against other people, but the best part is they attack other people and make them lose lose gems and all that kind of stuff, which is fun. Um, it's a very mean push or luck game. It can get kind of nasty. So just be prepared for that if you're playing it. Um, but it's super fun. I, we've played it twice now. Well, i played it twice and it is, it's great. It was great both times. So yeah, I dig it. How do you feel about quartz?
0: Um, I like it. I, I like the pusher luck aspect of it. I like drawing things out of the bag and like trying to make them like work the best for you in some ways that reminds me of what I like about deep blue, where you pull out different items. If you have like corresponding cards that can help make them work out, like that's kind of what I'm seeing to get like the big payout. Um, but, yeah, there are a lot of mean cards. So you're like, well, I kind of defend against that, which is annoying. Um, or else you're just like, well, I got to make the best of this that I can. Um, I, I won the first time we played, and I felt real good about it. At least I think I won.
1: Yeah, I think you did. I know I didn't. That's for sure. <laughs>
0: no, it was real bad. Um, But it, it kind of helps, I think, balance things out a little bit in some ways. Uh, but the push your luck is still there. So it's kind of hard if like main cards get put against you and the bags against you, too, which you can't control. Right. Yep. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite push your luck game, but it is one that I do enjoy. And I would really like I want to get the Disney Snow White version because I guess a really fun IP and like theme to put over with this particular type of game. Um, but it's probably never going to happen. So I guess I should give that up.
1: Yeah, it's it's criminally out of print, too. Uh Yeah, right. I, I love Push Your Luck. Uh, I don't always... I don't think a Push Your Luck game needs to be super mean because Push Your Luck is already mean. It can be mean. Right. So this is not one that I want to play all the time. But knowing how those cards work, um, it definitely makes you hesitant to be playing cards willy-nilly and not having any cards in your hand to at least bluff that you may be able to block some stuff. So... In this game, I think you need to hold some cards in your hand to make it at least look like you can fend off some of the attacks that are coming your way. Mm. So just, if you play this game, maybe do that. I don't know. I'm not great at this game. But if you do play this game, do that.
0: It's just like another game I would like to own, but one that, again, will never happen. Like It's right there with my like Lord of the Rings deck builder. That's never going to happen either. The Lord
1: of the Rings one could happen. This one probably will not happen.
0: <laughs> never going to happen. Awesome.
1: All right, well, we know a guy that has it, so that's good. Um, Yeah. So, so yeah, those are three of the games we played. Let's keep it rolling.
0: All right. Well, in kind of thinking about, I don't know, did you steal this from somebody else's podcast or something, probably?
1: I did, but we're not going to say who.
0: Um. As we're kind of moving towards con season, uh, people are thinking about gathering with family and what games they should have to, like, introduce their family or have on their shelves. Or, you know, sometimes there's big summer blowouts and maybe you want to get, like, a a good game because there's a good sale. What games should you own? This is a, uh, not to be punny, but a a dicey kind of situation to approach because everyone has their own ideas. So we wanted to put together a couple games that we think we would recommend. Again, you know, this is not a hard and fast rule. Obviously, nobody cares about our opinions and no one's stamping our approval on certain games as far as collection keepers are concerned. Um, But we went through some basic mechanics and we really try to stick to basics because... If we think everyone should own them, they should be games that are pretty easily accessible. We also chose games that were fairly easy to teach, regardless of the level level of gamer, and we also chose games that were readily available because uh, why should I want everyone to own a game that is out of print? Because that's pointless. So we picked five uh, mechanics to talk about this week. Uh, well, we're probably, it's probably gonna take a couple week, a couple episodes to get through. Um, All different mechanics that we think are nice to have as part of a well-rounded collection. And so this week, we're going to talk about worker placement, deck building, uh, dice, cooperative, and push your luck. So five different categories. And Jason is going to kick us off with his worker placement game.
1: Yeah, so I was looking through the list before I get started. And I think your number five is probably the heaviest game on this list. So, probably. I mean... Yeah, it's it's a pretty lightweight list, family-friendly list, but the games I picked, I picked them because we've always we played them with lots of people. They've gone over well. Um they're easy to teach and they're fun games. So I, if I have to bring a game out to play with people that aren't really heavy into games, these are ones that I would pick. I know I can teach them, they're fun, and they're well received. So that's kind of where I went. So my worker placement game, arbitrarily numbered number 5, is Lords of Waterdeep. And I mean this should be a no-brainer. This is on like everybody's list of the games that everybody should own. And when I think of worker placement, it doesn't get more streamlined than this game. I'm not I don't know if this is even the first game, but it's basically the one that that when I think of worker placement, this one pops into my head first just because it's so clean. And this is just you're putting a worker down on a space, you're getting some stuff, and then you're turning that stuff into Fulfilled Contracts. So the gist of a worker placement game. It has some arbitrary D&D theme. Uh, Who cares? Um, It's a fun game. It's beige and tan. All things I like. And it's super easy to teach. On your turn, you say, hey, you're going to go to one of these spaces and you're going to do what this spot on the board says. And then you're going to have some of these cards in front of you. When you get the appropriate color of cubes, turn them in, score some points. That's the game. Uh, There are some mean cards that can happen. You can talk about those when they pop up, but... It's pretty pretty easy to play, easy to teach, and I really like it. So my worker placement game, Lords of Waterdeep.
0: There's some color. You got purple cubes. Those are my favorite. That's
1: the color is purple.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's orange. There's orange. There's orange. Purple and orange.
1: <laughs> okay. Beige tan, a small bit of purple, a small bit of orange.
0: Uh, yeah, this is a great game. Um, it's so good. Some people get like intimidated because the board's big and like, oh, Lords of Waterdeep and the it, people have heard it's D&D themed no I think just stop saying that it doesn't matter it's irrelevant and if it turns people off don't say it if it encourages people to play it then just play that up be like oh yeah you could domesticate an owlbear that's awesome which I do want to so throw that out there but otherwise yeah great worker placement game um, and then if you're like I'm really into this go for the expansion the Scoundrels of Skullport, is that what it's called?
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Hey, look at me. Uh, it's quality. It makes it good. It makes a good game gooder.
1: <laughs> <laughs> good job, English teacher.
0: You're welcome. Uh, so like Jason said, my worker placement choice is probably the heaviest of these games. But I legitimately have told a friend that I worked with, this woman does not game at all like the other game i introduced her to that rocked her world was bob ross the art of chill okay but she uh, legitimately a uh, major wine person i said why and that's not what i mean
1: yeah don't call her a wine no no yeah wine <laughs> no, connoisseur wine connoisseur yes
0: like she goes to wine tastings and she has friends come over and they, they go visit vineyards like that kind of thing some something that like people out of my class do uh and so she's like, are there games about wine? I'm like, oh, yeah, there are. So I recommended Viticulture, Meyer game. And she went out and bought the thing, watched a video and played it with her friends and loved it. And I was like, you just you you just went out and bought it like you bought it and you you watched a video and played it. Like, people don't do that. People are always like, oh, I need someone else to teach me. Or like, well, can't you touch me? Or this is too hard. There's too many rules. And I'm so sick of hearing that. Like, oh, that can look so hard. You don't know. You just looked at the box. Sorry, I'm on my soapbox. Whew, okay. I had actually another soapbox already prepared for this episode, but I forgot about it when we started. So
1: That's fine. Just keep that one away.
0: New soapbox. It'll,
1: it'll um, show back up on another episode, I'm sure.
0: Oh, I'm sure it will. <laughs> I got plenty. Uh, so viticulture, great worker placement. You've also got some card play going on. Um, but again, you're placing your workers so that you can get your grapes. Your grapes are going to mature. You're going to harvest them, turn them into wine. You're going to sell that wine. And your little workers go out there and they do their thing. It's great. It has this really like bucolic look to it. So it feels very relaxing. I could see that wine people would like it. Um it has these really nice bits, like it has good artwork, um, it's not as, I would say it's a little less straightforward than like a Lords of Waterdeep is, but the, even when you're using the cards and getting the cards, it's pretty easy, to un, like the card, the instructions on the cards are really straightforward, there's no like secret symbols anywhere, like the what do they call that why can't i remember what that word iconography (laughs) iconography oh it's not even late i just have been frazzled today um the iconography it's not complicated or like even like prevalent throughout it so it's it is really easy i think to pick up on um fairly easy to teach because you're moving across the board from left to right um and, like, you got your workers. And then even if you play with, like, the essential edition, which you should, you got a grande worker. The worker is big. Therefore, it wins. Like, I, it's not hard to process. So, and it just is a theme that a lot of people really enjoy. It's not trading the Mediterranean, but it's awfully close. It's farming on the Mediterranean. Um, But it's, it, it's chill enough, but with enough depth and yet enough straightforwardness that it's really accessible for everyone. So... My work replacement choice is viticulture.
1: Yeah, and the theme does help teach it because, like, you plant grapes in the spring. You'll harvest in the fall. So, like, the spaces on the board make sense. Um, yes. But, you know, it, it is a little bit deeper. This isn't probably one that I would introduce immediately to somebody. But, you know, if you want a little bit deeper game, because not everybody wants to start with, like, simple games, this mm-hmm. is definitely one that you could grab because it's super good. All right, so the next one up, the next... My, mechanism, I couldn't think of the word, I was drawing a blank, uh, is deck building, and mine is Summer Camp. Now, this probably isn't my favorite deck builder, but as far as accessibility and easy to teach and ease of play, this one's up there. You can get this at Target, it's like $30, um, and what this game is, it's uh, a deck builder, but it also has a Summer Camp theme. Most people have gone to Summer Camp, or know what a Summer Camp is, at least in America, and You are playing cards to move your little campers up these tracks. The farther you get up the tracks, the more reward you get. You land on a space, you may get some extra bonuses. And all you're trying to do is buy cards to score points, move up the tracks to score points, get badges, and eventually once all your your campers get to the end of the track, you've succeeded at summer camp and you are the best. Um, That's that's it. It's super basic on the deck building, but it adds the board in too, which could progress you into like Clank and other games like that. So, you know... I think it's a good one to get started with a deck builder so my deck builder are also my number four summer camp
0: okay so for my deck builder it was really hard to choose because i i love deck builders it's one of my favorite mechanics um but the deck builders that i really like are kind of niche like i it's ha- also hard to find like not everyone is going to want a copy of insane clown posse's deck builder yes, even though do. that that actually is my favorite deck builder. Which I can't believe I keep saying that out loud, but it's true. It's such whoop, whoop. a good stop it. Put the fago down. Um <laughs> it's a really good game. But again, not easy to find and not them successful. And so I kept coming running into that because a lot of deck builders are themed um and like kind of IPs, which is good, but you have to actually like those. So I don't wanna go back to the old classics like Ascension or Dominion because frankly, those are boring. And I think we've gotten better at deck builders since then. So I have two, I don't know that it's cheating because I think that you should get the game that suits your game group and your personal like interests. So if you like Marvel, Marvel Legendary would be my deck builder of choice. Or if you are Potterhead like me, um, Harry Potter Hogwarts battle would be my other choice. Both are really easily available as far as I know. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I just think they both play very similarly. So they're, it's cooperative um, and you are all going on to attack a villain. And they also both really lean into their IPs. So if that helps, I think bring other people in. So if you have friends that are super into Marvel, Legendary is going to bring them in. you're like, oh, yeah, I want to take down that villain. Yeah, I want to use this power. Like for me, I'm all about X-Men. So I'm playing all the X-Men cards. I'm like, get, let's get Gambit out there. Let's get, Ro- you know, Rogue and Storm. I love it. Um, or if you're a Harry Potter fan, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle is so thematically dialed in. It's redonkulous. Like, um, Every character has like their own special cards that fit with who they are and their game style which fits the style from the book. You've got all the great allies, you've got all the nasty villains. You have to like get rid of the horcruxes where you can kill Voldemort like just really great thematic. And so that I think really helps. It also helps you understand I think the the way to play a deck builder because I take these cards, I want to spend them. So either want to get better cards or I'm going to attack this baddie. And seeing that you want to attack the baddie or you want to get better cards in order to do that helps you kind of focus on, oh yeah, I want to acquire this card or I want to do this kind of thing. It kind of helps teach you how to manage a hand, I think, better when you have that kind of focus and that kind of cooperative nature. So my choice for deck builders Either lean into Marvel and the Legendary or Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. Oh my gosh, it smells like weed so bad.
1: <laughs> it's probably your friend down the road.
0: I'm like sitting here trying to talk about this game and I'm like, <laughs> I smell marijuana smoke coming in these open windows so strongly. It's like someone has sparked it up in our bushes. Like what the heck?
1: It's probably Lita.
0: Oh no. No, she's here sleeping.
1: <laughs> okay. She already toked up.
0: <laughs> she got a pass. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I like both these games. Um, I may like Marvel Legendary a little bit better, uh, but they're both good in their own way. All right, so next up is Dice Games. Now, this is could be anything.
0: Yeah, um, we left it really open.
1: Yeah, if it has Dice in it, it could qualify for this.
0: <laughs> I mean, Dice is a main, a main part of the game somehow.
1: Right, like rolling them and doing things with them, yes. So mine is actually a small box game from board game tables or all play, whatever they are now. And it is called Mountain Goats. And this is a pretty simple game. You have goats at the bottom of these mountains, which are numbered, like I think six through 12 or something like that. And on your turn, you're going to roll four dice. And then you're going to make combinations of numbers with those dice to move your, your goat up the mountain. Uh, you can do any combinations that you want. You can use three dice for one, whatever you want to do, you're moving them up the mountain and if you get to the top, you get a scoring token based so if you make it to the six, it's worth six points and then, as long as you're at the top, every time you roll that number, you get another scoring token. But if someone makes it to the top, they bump you down to the bottom. Just playing a little king of the hill type thing with a goat that's the whole entire game rolling dice, making pairs, moving your goat up the mountain. but it's a super ton of fun I, it's fast it's simple to teach and you can like have, you know, conversations and other things while you're playing it. And the goats are cute. So, yeah, my dice game, not my favorite dice game, but it's one that I think if you like dice games, this will be one that you could bring out easily and play whenever. So, Mountain Goats, that's my dice game.
0: Yes, it's it's good. But again, I went I went a little deeper, I guess. Um just because I I don't know. Like, again, I want a game that is fun to play and it's not one where I feel like I'm patronizing the people playing it, but it's also one that I don't want to be like, oh, this is so lame. I don't want to play this. So my game uses Dice a little bit differently, but it works so well with new gamers and experienced gamers as well. And that is Dice Forge. And if you want to talk about bang for your buck as far as value and components for a game, Dice Forge is legit where it's at. I mean, you get all these like dice where you change the faces on them. This gorgeous board that rolls out. You use the box to hold these different tokens so they're not all over the freaking place. Like it's just done really well. So Dice Forge, everyone has a pair of dice and they've got faces on them and you are collecting two different kinds of stones. You are collecting coins and you are collecting victory points ultimately to convert everything into victory points so that you could win. The great thing about this is that everyone is rolling and getting something on everyone's turn. Because my biggest issue is when I teach new games and if people are like unsure about the rules, and like, eh, I don't know about this game. If they are forced to pay attention to everyone's turn, So, there's that player interaction, there's that engagement that helps them really feel good about the game. And so, Dice Forge is that every time I'm rolling these dice, which are fun, they're like big, they're chonky, and I'm getting something, I'm like moving up my little counters. I'm like, yeah, here we go. Look at me. Ooh, I got my, you know, my big money spot, or I got my, you know, big point spot. Ooh, look at that. And then you're popping off the faces, adding new ones, you're buying good cards, moving around, like, and it's really pretty and it's short. It's not super short, but it's short enough that you wish there was just one more round every single time. Super fun, engaging, not difficult. You're like, hey, you roll the dice, you get what's on them. Then you spend what you have. Next person's turn. Oh, wait, you're still rolling your dice and getting stuff. Like, it's just it's just good. It just works on so many levels. It's good. Dice Forge.
1: Yeah, I agree. This is a good one. And it, like... The fact that you can customize your dice is pretty cool, too. That's something that a lot of people probably haven't seen, so that's fun. All right, so up next is Cooperative. Now, Katie's already had some Cooperative, but they lean more into the deck building, which is why they're on the deck building list. But for my Cooperative game, I'm going with, it's probably my favorite one. Um, My favorite, I guess I might have one that's a little, I like a little more, but it's a little bit heavier and crunchy. And not everybody might like the theme, but this is more accessible. And this is Marvel United. And now base game is probably all you can really find because the other stuff was like Kickstarter exclusive. But whatever you can find, it's worth playing. This is a game where you have a little character with a little chibi head and chibi buddy. And it's so cute. you're fighting a bad guy that's also a chibi, which is pretty adorable. And you're doing that through playing some cards, and the cards are going to have some icons on the bottom, which will let you move, punch, rescue civilians, and clear off um, areas. Maybe have a wild loca- uh action that you can do whatever. And they may have a special ab- ability that relates to your specific character. Like Hulk can smash tons of places because he does Hulk smash. You know, makes sense thematically. And what and you're it trying hurts to- everyone. Yeah, he hit. It hurts everyone. Yeah, which is bad. Um, so you're going to get to play your card and the card of the player who played before you. So you're going to get two cards to play. That's where the cooperative kind of comes in. You want to work with the person before you to get some cards out that the other people need and all that kind of thing. And you're trying to defeat the villains before the villain kills you, which happens a lot. Um, the base game you can win a little bit more than some of the expansions, but um, you do lose quite a bit. It's simple. It's easy to teach. You can teach this as you're playing. And I don't normally say that, but this is one that you can teach as you're playing because it's cooperative. That's what I like about cooperative games. You can kind of just get into it as long as someone knows how to play and you can kind of guide everybody through the turn on how to play. Um, and everybody likes Marvel. Not everybody, but most people like Marvel theme and you know that, that makes it a little bit more accessible than some. So my cooperative game, Marvel United.
0: I do like when... I blah, blah, blah. I do like that one a lot. Yeah. Um, some of these stages are super cool. We just played one that was so freaking hard. Fantastic Four, right?
1: Yeah, against uh, who Do we, who was the bad guy? Dr. Doom? No. I forget who the bad guy was.
0: Maybe. I thought we had two different bad guys. No, I don't know. It was awful. It was the worst. I think it was Dr. Doom. Uh, whoa, so hard. But it's also, when they're hard, they're over quick. So you're like, well, let's try it again. Um, and we played like the X-Men with like the big, um, sentinels, sentinels. Oh my gosh. My brain has all that marijuana smoke, (laughs) um, with the sentinels, like that was fun. But even that, like the, for me, I think with this game, you find like the characters that you like and just get that set and go with it. And the base one is pretty easy to find like at Walmart or Target or whatever. And it's, it's super fun. So since I already talked about cooperatives with cards, I went somewhere else with this. And you could probably say this is a deduction game too, but cooperative really works on this because you definitely want everyone to get it right and you want to work together because you're beating this timer. And that's Shipwreck Arcana. This, I don't know that you can get it anywhere, but at the publisher's website, Meromorph Games. Can you believe that I remembered that? Yeah, good job. Hey, um, But it's Cheap. Like under $20 cheap, I'm pretty sure.
1: Uh, Yeah, 20, 25, somewhere around there. I'm
0: gonna, I always think it was like 18 bucks, personally.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah.
0: I don't. But in this game, like you are drawing two numbers out of a bag. One is your number, and the other one you're going to use to give clues to your teammates to help them guess what your number is. And you lay the number that you're playing down on one of these tarot cards that are laid out. They're called arcana, uh, that have different clues on them. Like, um, talking about the even number, it's an even number, or it's not, the number that I'm playing down is no more than twice of the number I have or something, whatever. And you've got your own little number line that your teammates can use to help kind of eliminate possibilities. Um, because you want to guess those numbers before like the bad timer runs out. Um, So it's, I feel like it really fosters working together. The only problem with this one is like sometimes you've got one person that's like super on it and they just can like narrow down stuff right away. Or if you have people that are much more gregarious, they'll start talking, start puzzling through things out loud, whereas your introverts will lag back, think about it, consider it. Well, that's, um, that's
1: not a problem of the game, though.
0: Right, right, right. Um, but I think because then eventually it comes to the, the, the openly talker's turn and they can't, you know, help you, you know, puzzle out what their number is. So eventually everyone's going to start talking. But it's really pretty. Uh, the component quality is really good, and it's just like a fun little puzzly thinker that goes by really quickly. You can play several games of this in a row because you, you're going to want to. You're going to want to try to figure it out. You're going to want to work together. It really does help when someone's like, "Oh, well, I don't think it's this." And you're like, "Well, why is that?" And they, like talk about the reason. You're like, "Well, but they could have really picked this, and we don't know that." And so you got this great like discussion interaction going on. I I really enjoy it. So that's my cooperative, the Shipwreck Arcana.
1: Yeah, it's a good one. If if you happen to find it in the like at a store, definitely grab it yeah, it doesn't show up there very often. So yeah, it's it's worth picking up for sure.
0: Now I'm gonna check out the website and see if I was right.
1: Yeah, it, you might be right, I don't know. But it, it's worth every bit of twenty five dollars. So all right, so number the next one that we're gonna talk about is push your luck. This could have been like a top fifty for me because I love these, but uh I listed the one that I think I like the best. It's not my favorite game with push your luck in it, but as far as su- only push your luck game, this one probably is up there and that is Quacks of Quedlinburg. And again, this is an accessible theme. It's about quack doctors making up potions, you know, and, you know, sometimes the concoction is not what they were expecting. But basically you're pulling chits out of a bag and you're trying not to get a certain number of the white chits. And, or your pot explodes and you bust. But if you can not bust the farther uh, you're going to go around your pot with these tokens are going to move a certain amount of spaces to get you farther along. You're going to get points and you're going to get more money to buy extra tokens to put in your bag, to make it less likely, not guaranteed, but less likely that you will bust in the future. Um, and you're just going to play over, I think eight rounds and whoever has the most points after all, that's the winner. This one has some event cards. It's going to sh- uh, switch it up a little bit each round. Um, it has a great catch-up mechanism uh, to help people who are not doing that well catch up. Um, and it it's just really fun. I I don't know. I know one person that doesn't like this game, but we're not going to mention his name. Uh, but it's fantastic. Everybody that i played it with has a great time. And I think it should belong in your collection if you like Push Your Luck. So my number one Push Your Luck, Quacks of Quedlinburg.
0: Yeah, for me, this this really is probably one of the best push-your-luck games. Like, my sister is obsessed with this game. She has all the expansions. She never plays games. Like, hardly ever. But this, she was so taken with this game. I think it's because she's a gambler. Not like she has a problem, but she's a gambler. Um, so I think this appeals to that. And it's it's so fun. It is easy to teach. Um, this is one of those ones, like, let's, I'm going to tell you basically how it goes. Let's play around and you'll totally know exactly what's happening. Um, also, I did look that up. Uh, Shipwreck Arcana is $17 on Meromorph's website. Nice.
1: That's a great deal.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so my number one, I had, to, like, I really liked Quartz. I would have put it on here. I thought it's very accessible. But again, you cannot find it. So I'm like, what? what is a game that is fun to play, push your luck? Because we have so many. Um, but I wanted one that was was really easy for people to jump into. And so I decided I would pick Bag of Chips. Uh, Jason loves this game. He wanted it so bad. I have actually had several people think it is a literal Bag of Chips, which is so fun. Um, but in Bag of Chips, you're drawing out chips. And then you're using what's drawn and seeing what's laid out there to determine the cards you're going to keep to potentially score. But you... Don't want to keep all scar- cards that you want to score because you also have to, at the end, play a card that you absolutely won't score or that will actually score as negative for you. Um, and you want certain chips to come out, like the, the scoring cards will be like, oh, more chicken or barbecue-flavored chips. No. Chicken. It's chicken chips. More chicken chips than barbecue chips. Of or- which
1: there is the least amount of chicken chips.
0: Yes. Or like less salt and vinegar chips than plain chips i'm wrong um so you're just reaching into the bag and pulling out these cardboard things shaped like chips and then deciding like the first couple rounds you're getting rid of cards and then you choose two cards to score positively and one card to score negatively and then you draw some more out at the end and you don't know what's coming you're like oh my gosh come on salt and vinegar where are you i mean It's so easy. It's over super quick. So, everyone's like, let's do it again. You know, Um, easy. Like, then people can jump in and out. Um, Easy to find. It is also a cheap game. Look at me with the cheap games. It's like I'm channeling you. Um,
1: Well, I mean, you learned it from somewhere, right?
0: Right. At least I think it's cheap, I guess. I haven't tried to buy it.
1: Yeah, it was like 12 bucks on Amazon. Hmm. That's what it used to be. I don't know what it is now. Watch. People
0: were going to get angry letters. That's not.
1: <laughs> when we got it, it was like 12 or $13. Oh, yeah. eleven seventy
0: five dollars 75 on Amazon.com. There, you, there go. you go.
1: That is a deal because this game is well worth that.
0: It's $16 a Target. I apparently, they have it at Rite Aid for 13
1: Yeah, I saw that. That's weird, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they thought it was really a bag of chips.
0: <laughs> mm, interesting. Easy to find, cheap, but you know, guaranteed to be a good time. So uh bag of chips is my choice for push your luck.
1: Yeah. The, uh bag of chips does take a little bit more explanation because that m- math stuff at the end is a little weird, but uh, it's
0: so easy to play like a trial round, right, like a trial yeah. game and yeah. then do it again. Easy.
1: Yeah. Cause yeah, like, You got to think, well, these are going to add positive points. This is going to be negative points. You know, again, it's not hard, but it is a little more complicated than some of the others.
0: That's my name. More complicated than some of the others. True. (laughs) That's why I picked the games I did. So those are five games that we think that every gamer should own. Now, this is not a hard and fast rule. I'm not the game police showing up and checking your game collection and be like, where, where is your viticulture? What are you doing here? Here's Dice Forge. But you know, these are just some ideas if you're looking for stuff, like, especially for us, we introduce a lot of games to new gamers. We are the people who, someone's like, oh yeah, we're going to have a cookout. Can you guys bring some games over that we could play? And you know, while we want to play like Rococo, they're not going to want to play that. They're not going to want to help us figure out Anachrony. So we try to keep we try to keep a good balance in our game collection of games that we love and enjoy and generally play at two players sometimes three, um, and games that are just are fun even for us but help bring more people into the hobby. So what are your choices for your favorite your classic worker placement the deck builder everyone should own the dice game that we need a cooperative game that is just right. Or, of course, the granddaddy of them all, Push Your Luck. Tell us on any of our socials, because we really love talking about games with you guys, for sure.
1: Yep, and check out our YouTube. Tons of videos, podcast that goes over there, if you'd rather watch it on YouTube instead of listening. Um, yeah, that's just what I wanted to mention.
0: I'm going to try to do better. I say this all the time. But I don't know if I'm gonna teach any classes this summer, and I like feel I feel like I'm gonna start learning games. I'm not real good at the video stuff, but maybe I, maybe I should blog some or write written reviews or something. I I need to be a better member of the board game community instead of just like once a week rambling on on my soapbox. <laughs> I should write about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, you could write. You could do videos. We have all those formats that you could uh, you could do.
0: I don't like doing videos. I don't want people that have to see me.
1: You could write, we have a blog on our website.
0: <laughs> I'll work on it. I'll work on it, guys. Um, that's all. I have derailed already.
1: Yeah. Let's uh let's turn on some hockey.
0: Yeah. We love Stanley Cup hockey, everybody. So if you love hockey too, uh comment. Tell us what tell us what your favorite hockey team is out there right now.
1: Or if you don't watch hockey this is the best time to turn it on and get into it because this is some good, good stuff right now.
0: For real. For real. All right. Well, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody.
1: Keep gaming.
0: Now my mouth is dry. I seriously inhaled too much weed smoke.